many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Our sponsor for today's show is one of the two brands of blue light blockers that I actually recommend using. And I've had the CEO, Matt Maruka, on the show before, and we got into a two-hour-long discussion, which I think to this day is the longest episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. But his company, Raw Optics, has made blue light blockers sexy. In fact, I know they worked because I've seen the test results. And the beauty of their product is, is that blue light doesn't get in. And if any amount of blue light gets in, that Netflix show that you're watching late at night, that book that you're reading, that email that you're answering is disrupting your sleep. So where do you get yours? Head over to rawoptics.com, plug in the code BOOMER, you'll get 15% off your order. Enjoy. Satu, how's it going? Hey, Boomer. Going very well. Sun is shining as, as it should be. <laughs> ah, it's springtime. It's springtime. Yes, finally. And by the time this gets released, I'm going to be back from Riga, which is something that I'm looking forward to. And we'll be able to talk more about in future podcasts. Yeah, looking forward to that. But have you seen this article on sleep that is, I would say, blowing up the internet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The CNN. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about this CNN article and the show notes for this one will be at decodingsuperhuman.com slash habits, which is the actual topic of today. But I want to talk a little bit about this article because if CNN is writing the article, maybe sleep is actually becoming trendy, which is exciting. Right. Totally. So the article, just the gist of the article for you guys. And again, we'll link to it in the show notes is really covering some of the rumors around sleep. Should we touch on a couple of these rumors? Let's do that, yeah. Okay, so rumor number one, adults need five hours of sleep or less. I think that is crazy. That was the trend. Uh, yeah, it probably still is in some people's eyes that it is trendy somehow to to sleep less than five hours that you can say that, yeah, I can cope with minimum amount of sleep. And that's insane. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And I think I'm one of those people, and I think you grew up with early 90s hip-hop music, right? Oh, Uh, yes. (laughs) And so Nas is one of my favorite rappers. And Nas uh, had this track that was New York State of Mind, and it said, Sleep is the Cousin of Death. Mm, I remember, yeah. And being that easily influenced young child, I, I took that too literally. And I can say that this doesn't end well. So we know that most adults actually need closer to eight hours of sleep. And in fact, only 3% of the population could get away with less than six. So yeah. rumor number one, don't believe it. Let's go into, let's go into number, well, we can go and we'll skip around here a little bit. This is interesting. Let's go into your body and brain can adapt to less sleep. Yeah, probably. You think that you can, but I think you still have the standard. Your genetics uh, tell you how much sleep you basically need, and and your mind also tells you when you're getting enough sleep or not enough sleep. And I think in the long run, if you try to fool yourself but um, with, that you are coping with less sleep, that's really just, just fooling yourself. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of people out there that just don't know what they're truly capable of because they haven't really dialed in the sleep. No, exactly. 
they've never experienced that. And going back a few years when I used to think six hours was a good night and would routinely get away with three or try to get away with three, you never really, Mm -hmm. you never really know what you're capable of and still used until you really start paying attention to it. So, you know, again, just key message here, listen to your body, try and get most of you out there, you know, seven and a half to eight and a half hours of sleep is ideal. Let's touch on one more and then we'll get into actually today's topic. Drinking alcohol before (laughs) bed helps you fall asleep. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, you could fall asleep fast. The more you drink, the faster you probably fall asleep. But then again, you're not considering the consequences. What happens when you actually drink it? What does the alcohol do to the quality of the sleep? It doesn't matter how fast you fall asleep if the quality is yeah look we've we've done episodes on hrv before right and we both have an aura ring but whatever device you measure if you drink and you measure hrv in particular the next day you'll probably notice that it's lower and for some people it's lower after two drinks for some people it's lower after three for some people it's one but if your nervous system is taking a beating as a result of your drinking and you actually do see that your deep sleep, which is where we produce a lot of hormones and recover, is taking a beating, you know, maybe it's not the best sleep aid in the world. So, you know, just again, there's other things you can do to to wind down and I'll point people to the episode we did on evening routines for this. Yeah. And really falling asleep fast or the fastest you can, that's not something to brag about. I think there's a, I can't remember, was it number two or three where it says that you should fall asleep very fast. And that's, that's actually a risky thing to do as well. If you're constantly falling asleep immediately when you put your head on the pillow, that just means that you're way too exhausted. Exactly. So we've covered this article quite quite in depth, actually. So uh, we'll point people to it. But again, if CNN's getting a hold of it, maybe sleeping is indeed the new smoking. So I'm excited that mass media is getting a hold of it because maybe people will actually start sleeping more. But the real purpose of today's podcast is to get into habits. And habits run us, but also we can run our habits. Let's um, Let's define what a habit is, Satu. Yeah. So I would say a simple way of describing a habit, it's it's a behavior that has become so automated that you really don't need to think about it in both good and bad. Um, and then we can start talking deeper into how does a desired behavior become a habit? Um, and there are processes for that. But that would be the simple answer. Well, that was very concise. I appreciate it. Um, so let's move on into, let's, let's talk about how we form habits and specifically, you know, looking at that desired behavior, how do you take a desired behavior and make it into a habit? It is a process and typically a process that consists of trial and error and steps, small steps towards where you want to be. If you think of, um, I don't know, quitting smoking or, or just building a new habit going, um, for a run every day, Uh, typically they say that it takes six months to build a sustainable new habit. Mm -hmm. So imagine how many times do you have to convince and reconvince yourself that this is the right thing to do and give yourself the feedback constantly. Yeah. And that day amount, 
look, I've heard as little as 21 days. Uh, I don't think that 21 days is enough, but you're right. That day amount varies from person to person. It also probably varies based on the strength of the habit that you're trying to change. Yeah, what it is. Mm. And I think here it's worth touching on some some really good resources. Uh, the Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, but also a mutual favorite book of ours, Atomic Habits by James Clear. When we talk about changing habits, I think James Clear, he outlines just sort of a four-step process, right? The cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. And there, you know, let's take, for example, the person who wakes up and has coffee every day. The cue there is really when you wake up, you, you crave that coffee, you, and then you go into the craving, and then you have the craving of the coffee. The response is you make the coffee, and then the reward is that you actually feel alert and energized. I've always looked at habit changes sort of, the cue needs to be there, and the reward needs to be there, but the process in the middle is what we can change. Exactly, yeah. And so Definitely. talk a little bit about just sort of substitutions and things like that and how you would look at this from a client perspective because we also work with clients in terms of behavior change, right? So how do you look at some of the, or said another way, what are some of the common behaviors that you've seen among clients that, and some of the shifts that you've made? Um, let's talk about the process, what I've seen with clients. Um, as I said, typically these kind of behavioral changes that I work with and we work with when it comes to leadership and executives and performance, they take quite a long time. As in the process, you need to have the, as you mentioned, the cue, the, the goal, the end in mind. What is it that that triggers, that motivates you, that helps you to stick to the path that you've chosen. Um, I think a lot of times fear gets in the way and that's why we start deviating from the planned process or the, the new behaviors because we, we test something, it doesn't go the way we want or it goes to the extreme and we get frightened and then we back off and then we go back to the old habits which are not necessarily the habits that we want to have. So it is actually a process of self-coaching and finding those rewards on the way, those small signals that you can feel proud of and that you can give uh, the positive praise um, to yourself from. So reminders, routines, testing, trial, error. That is the process on, on actually how to create sustainable new habits. Awesome. Awesome. And I think I just want to add a little bit to that because I think people, and this may come across as a rant, maybe it doesn't, but people expect the world to change overnight. The fact is, is that whether it's you're overweight or whether it's you're a stressed out person, that process was ingrained with you over a period of years. You are not going to become thin overnight. But what matters is the direction that you're going in. And so when we look at habits, specifically what we're talking about here is micro habits, because in order to really change you and something that's occurred, you know, just taking a look at the listener base, over the course of 30 to 55 years of being on this earth, that takes time. And so as long as those micro habit changes are directionally going the way you want, staying the path is actually your key focus. This is where it helps to have somebody kind of guiding you along the way. But also just like take a 30,000 foot view every once in a while and say, am I directionally going the right way? 
This may also prevent you from eating that cake on a Friday night. But micro habits do take time. And I think people need to be more patient with it than they are. Yes. And, and also to allow yourself to take a step back every now and then. That will happen. You can't just perform 100% every day all the time. What are some of your favorite ways to change habits? Because I've got a couple of funky ones. Okay, you go first. Yeah. I think. <laughs> okay, so uh, one of my favorite ones that is a little bit odd, but it tends to be very effective. And you know, James Clear does talk about this, but I, I found it very helpful in my own life. The habit contract. And I'm going to take the habit contract now to an extreme. You can go to these things called anti-charities. And I forget the names of the website. Maybe I'll put them in the show notes. But you can go to anti-charities and you can set up a donation to a charity that you don't really want to be associated with. And what they do is they say, you know, here's your, you define your goal. And let's say that goal is to lose 10 pounds or whatever it is. You define your goal, which can be verified by a third party, somebody you know. And if you don't meet that goal, you end up making a charitable donation to a charity that you do not want to be associated with. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so if you wanted to take it to the extreme, which I tend to play with these things, so I enjoy it, setting up an anti-charity as sort of a way to really kick yourself in the butt, right, is a good way to do it. That's a nice example. Cool and cruel. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I've got a few other ones, but that's that's one of my top ways to really unwind, particularly sticky habits, that's a good way to unwind those. I think I'm much nicer to myself in that <laughs> sense. <laughs> or, um, well, I think one of the keys is to communicate about your plans. If your plan is to, yeah, or goal is to lose those pounds, then talk about it to your friends or family. Say that this is my goal. This is the timeline. This is how I'm working. This is my process. Please give me feedback. So ask your environment to support you. Ask the people around you to give that praise and, and really emphasize on the fact that you would like them to comment on your success because that boosts you. If they would only say to you every day, like, oh, wow, you still didn't lose that pound. How motivating is that? <laughs> that is also a reminder, but that might not help you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Bundling pleasure with non-pleasure activities. That's a, that's a good one for me because there's a lot of things that I like to do. Read books, go to the gym, etc. But there's certain things... Not everything in life is a joy or it's not perceived as joy initially, but you want to build a habit, let's say making sales calls or I don't know, even something like just simply getting up and going to the gym, which isn't necessarily a, a problem for me. But let's say my pleasure is gym and my pain is, uh, let's say, journaling. I know that journaling will be very good for me mentally, but I don't like doing it. I will not go to the gym until I complete the process of journaling. So there's a little carrot at the end of the road or, you know, treat at the end of the road, if you will. And as a result, it forces me to do something that I wouldn't otherwise do. And by the way, sometimes when you pair these together, you do end up actually liking the activity that you're doing. This is exactly how I got into journaling, by the way. Wow, that's nice. And that's a good example of how simple we human beings actually are. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Give us a carrot and then we start changing the behavior based on that. Yeah, and that really works. And that works um, in private life and at, or at work. If you have tasks that you dislike, 
I would recommend always start with them, get those done, and then start doing the fun stuff. Fun stuff. Yeah, I think for me, if the task starts to consume my mind and I, I start finding ways to put it off, it means that I need to do that task. So rather than delaying it, I kind of make it the first thing that I do during the day. Uh, well, usually right after I go to the gym. Yeah, no, that's good. Super good advice. Excellent. And, and there's little things you can do to make habits a reality, right? One of the the ones that Janet, our, our colleague, does in terms of working out is to lay her clothes out the night before, right? So you wake up in the morning and you kind of go through this automated process. And if you don't necessarily like going to the gym, making it as easy for as possible for you to go to the gym is a good way to do that. That's the same thing with playing a guitar or even learning Korean, like making sure that there are not any obstacles in my way to learning Korean does help me actually sit there and study it. And that's why some, some people like to meal prep. Uh, so prepare their meals for or lunches for work and you have the lunch box always with you because that helps you to control that you don't go out to Burger King or whatever and just have a very random unhealthy lunch. Yeah, so you can choose how you live your life, basically. Exactly. And nobody should go to Burger King anyway. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anything else that we need to cover on habits? Um, don't let your fear run in the way or, or become an obstacle. Exactly. It will be scary, but you're cope with it. Exactly. And remember, life is a long game. As somebody who's tried to play it as a short game for way too long, uh, it's so much more beneficial to look at it as a long game. And so long as you're on the right path, whether it's saving money or not spending money, chances are you're going to get there. And so remember, micro habits make the person and focus on building micro habits over time and you'll change any habit that you want to. Satu, thank you so much. Been a pleasure. Show notes, decodingsuperhuman.com slash habits. Thank you, superhumans, for listening and have an absolutely epic day. Superhumans, before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of your favorite podcast listening platforms, and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It would really be appreciated. And then finally, for those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there, and if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. Superhumans, have an absolutely epic day, and remember as always, choose health.